Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shireko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shireko. Hi, I'm Susan Shireko, and welcome to Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity. Today, I'm going to be talking about intention, what you want. Most authors, coaches, and guides consider you know, intention to be one of the most important aspects of trying to get anything you desire. And certainly, in the process of successfully rebuilding and moving forward after any kind of a disaster, identifying what you want is incredibly important. You may know that you need to take care of your physical survival or develop new habits and and listen to what you tell yourself, but you may not want to do it. And unfortunately, want trumps need every day. Therefore, when you begin to recover from disaster or great loss, what you want will make all the difference in the world. Our first desires, getting our home back, getting our family back together again, were pretty clear. When Peter and I, when we went through this landslide, we knew we were going to need income to get through it, and we had to get our family, all our animals back together under one roof, and everything else paled in comparison with that. That was our focus. However, there was a bigger picture in our minds of what we wanted in the long term, a bigger ranch where Peter could utilize his expertise in the Old West for movies and television. And I could produce content and build a retreat center. Knowing that bigger vision colored the choices we made even as we replaced the most basic aspects of our day-to-day housing. Safety and survival are primary motivators. Caring for what we value comes next, like family, home, beauty, or order. What are our highest priorities? Habits and routines help us maintain and grow, and and it helps improve our lifestyles. However, it's the vision of growth and expansion, the myriad possibilities out of 80,000 thoughts per day, which just go flitting through our head and don't last a second, but then a few rise to the level of intention and purpose. We focus on those few and decide to pursue them. We figure out what it will take to get them. And then we do those things daily and repeatedly. Seeing, desiring, using our willpower, love, light, and power. Action is an act of will. It is also part of living with intention. It's our awareness that we have to consciously go after something, doing what has to be done daily, repeatedly, until the power of cosmic habit force kicks in and we become what we desire right now, where we are. And that creates a magnet to that which we desire. And if the results are not quite right, well, then we figure out how to adjust and, and to bring it closer on our next attempt. The definition of intention is focusing mentally upon some action or result, purpose, or design. 
It refers to a wish one means to carry out. And to live with intention means that you are not idly wishing. You may visualize, you may plan, and you also take at least one action daily. You, you act upon one thing you can do today right where you are. You know the destination. You know the way you want to feel when you achieve it. And then you choose between options and possible paths to get there. But you act. You stay open to the possibility that the desired result will come from another direction, but you keep acting every day. I just saw In Pursuit of Happiness again for the first time in quite some time. And that's what he was saying. Possibility, probability in a conversation with his child. It is by taking action on a daily basis, by the process of continuing to take those actions, even when you see no positive results in that moment. That is what changes it from possibility that it may not happen to probability that it will. And that's what that movie was all about. He didn't see positive results. He just kept doing what he knew he had to do. You begin to make the choices you would make as if you already had or were your vision, if you were feeling the way you want to feel. I have no doubt that in that man's story, when he went to the ball game with the head of the AT&T pension fund, what he saw before him, the big house, the mansion, the box seats, the influential people he met, all gave him a taste of what he knew his life was going to be about, what he wanted to feel when he was in that moment, that happiness that he felt meeting and greeting those people. You get that those sense of those feelings. And then you get all your ducks lined up in a row, so that you're going to be ready when the moment appears, when that magic opportunity is in front of you. These are the things that we have to learn to do automatically every day as we go through all that we want to do to get back on our feet after a disaster. Now, the reason I mention intention at this time is that it's the next step on our road back. Intention is the next level on Maslow's pyramid that we've been using as our visual image. We've already come through the emergency of your disaster, and you've already begun to explore the new habits, routines, and positive self-talk that that will support your efforts to rebuild. And as you gain a little distance on your personal crisis, it's also where you decide to take up your life again and consciously choose what this new, improved version is going to look like. It's going to be different. There's no doubt about that. Even if you were able to reconstruct every nuance of what your life was like before your disaster, you have been changed by the experience. Honor that change and allow yourself to explore what is different. Now, if you've been listening, you'll remember that I recommend that you start to balance the outer circumstances around you and the inner work that provides you a sense of purpose and direction as you make choices about what to do with those outer circumstances. The outer circumstances are in your face, but the inner work is more subtle. You will have to give yourself some time to sit down and think about it. So I'd like you to start by taking some paper, I have a few sheets on hand, and start jotting down what you would like 
or feel you need to do in various areas of your life. Let's start with the outer circumstances and label one page physical circumstances and another financial circumstances. And and I've just compiled a list of a few that I think are examples of outer circumstances that you might be dealing with right after a disaster. Okay, recovering physically. So you need to find and maintain an appropriate living space. You have to heal from injuries, perhaps. You need to take stock of where you are, the things and skills that we have we would like to have to carry on. Replacing the things that have been lost. Okay? Recovering financially. Oh, making all those insurance claims and picking up the pieces, which is are the things that the Red Cross can help you with. And you know, getting cash flow, paying your bills and getting out of debt, calling creditors to work with you, replacing vital documents, reestablishing income and work in spite of your loss so that you can carry on, and that can be a tough one. It's, it's tinged with inner work and emotional situations. Peter and I have often said that one of the best things that happened to us immediately after the landslide was a phone call from a producer asking for Peter's services on a television show at the time, and, and that call gave us something to rally around. We could do that work. We made a conscious decision to do it, in spite of the fact that the house was in a complete disaster. We didn't know where we were going to be living. We didn't have any clue how we were going to resolve anything. But we chose to keep going, not to sit there and cry about our situation, but to get into action. And we truly believe that had a lot to do with how well we've done and how quickly or seemingly quickly, we've made some some headway back. And, of course, there are always those naggy little legal issues that come up after a disaster financially that you do have to deal with. But I don't want to forget the inner work because that's just as important, and it will shut you down faster than anything if you don't do it. So let's look at our emotional recovery. It's important to share what's happened with other people. You want to establish a sense of belonging. You want to find other like-minded people or people who've gone through the same experience so that you can openly share about your feelings. You want to make sure that you decrease the number of environmental stressors that you've surrounded yourself in. You, You need time to heal. And the less stress you have in your life, the better. You want to be patient with yourself and with other people. This takes time. So set limits so that you don't overdo it. Take a mental and emotional inventory. Just like the physical one we took earlier, we want to take stock and do an assessment of where we are. (laughs) This is probably not where we want to be, but where do we want to be? And what actions are we going to, do we anticipate we're going to need to take to get there? What's missing? What can I repair? What do I want to share in or given a new chance. I mean, if you've lost something irreplaceable, what can you substitute? And I put in that category things like your routine or the groups with whom you participate, any new rules you may have to put on yourself for living. What do you want? It's important to establish goals and set priorities and then break them down into small tasks 
that require baby steps to accomplish so that you can stay positive. Optimism is a stress buffer. Fear and stress are the biggest long-term issues we have to face. If you look at what has worked for you in the past and use it here, it's also helpful. We want to take our focus off what we've lost in our lifestyle. And it's because it's intricately entwined in our self-identity. And this is accomplished by learning how to think in more positive ways. And as we learn to think positive thoughts, we can begin to define something new that we want or figure out how to rebuild or replace what we previously had, create a plan to accomplish that, and take action. Recovering recovering spiritually, well, if you already belong to or participate in uh, spiritual or religious practices, I would say keep doing them. They are a great source of comfort and inspiration. And if you're not that active, or if you'd like to deepen your activities, I would suggest you learn to access your subconscious mind and quantum consciousness. This is a process. It took me a while to get this process. of, Even though I considered myself a spiritual person, I was about to discover new depths of that spirituality. And a lot of that came from doing what I call disidentification, which is an opportunity to lay aside all the things in your outer life, your physical life here, and discover your inner self, what it feels like. Establish a relationship with your subconscious mind. That, that became the greatest source of guidance and inspiration for me and why I speak so much about it and how we, how we use it. So what do you want to do about these circumstances? What we do is express first, is express our intentions, defining what we want and using our will or actions to do, be, or have what we want. Now, have you been writing down ideas while I was going through these different areas? Good. (laughs) And if not, well, just as soon as you can, write them down. Our goal is to help you determine where to start rebuilding with your big picture in mind. So where do you start? I know I would say, as a student of Napoleon Hill, that success comes through organized effort around a purpose and a plan. Finding your why, the reason you want to heal and rebuild, what you want to feel, what you want to create. It's not all about the circumstances. Those will change. But in what way? Do you want to have some say in the direction your life heads now. So what do you want? What did you have before your world fell apart? What did you lose? Do you want it back? Is it possible to get it back? Or do you want something even better? To get in touch with what you want, I'm going to take you through an exercise that's um, designed to help you determine what you want. You'll want to have paper and pencil or other writing implement. And I suggest that you listen all the way through, and then when you're ready to do the exercise, listen again and pause the recording while you're doing it. So first, let's take a moment to let the activities of the day drop away so that you can really listen to what I'd like you to do. Just take a few deep breaths. Breathe in. Breathe out. 
Breathe in. Let it out. Breathe in. Breathe out. And relax. I'm going to ask some questions. And your mind may start to object and bully you. You may think that you don't know the answers. If and when that happens, ask yourself, if I knew the answer, what would it be? Ask yourself. How many times have I said this? Ask yourself, what do I want? Why? What would improve your current situation or your overall life. You don't know yet? Well, then ask what you want to feel. Or what in your life and circumstances now, you know, what are they that you would like to change? And then what would be the polar opposite of that? Write that down. Make as long a list as you like. Six items is a good workable number, but you can go wild with this and just write and write and write. And write each of the things you want down on a separate piece of paper and then draw a line down each page, creating a narrow column to the left. And label this your gripe column. And take the time to list all the reasons you can't get what you want in that column. For example, I can't achieve goal one because I have too many distractions in my life. My circumstances are bad. I have no time, no money, no energy. I'm too old. I don't know how. I don't want to lose what I already have. I don't want to rock the boat. And those last two are what we call golden handcuffs because they anchor you in your current situation. Sometimes your desire is too large and it becomes vague. It may need to be explained in greater detail to really work with it. So, for example, if you said, I want to live happy, well, what is happy? So you're going to have to ask yourself how, what is happy to you. Ask yourself what a person who knows how to live happy does when they're in this kind of a situation. Or if a happy person were standing here, what would they see? How would they choose to handle it? What, what are the components they would be looking for? Sometimes we find ourselves wishing for circumstances that would be different. And, and we may lament the death of a loved one, the loss of our home, life-threatening physical challenges. But there's a wonderful prayer to help us while we work through what is in our lives, and that's called the serenity prayer. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And then focus on what you can change. Faced with a problem, there is a difference between facts and truth. We cannot change or control our circumstances. We can control our response to and in the conditions. And when we do that, it has the automatic effect of changing our conditions. Listen to what you've been telling yourself and fill up that left-hand column. Take your time, get it all out. Once you've put all those reasons on paper, go back to the top, and for each objection, think of ways you could lessen the impact 
or eliminate each of those gripes. Brainstorm, come up with lots of them. Remind yourself, I know there's a way for this to turn out well for me. I know that that all the answers I need are available to me. So what would I do if I knew what to do? Do this with every desire you've listed. Then look over the pages. Do you see any repeats or patterns? One nagging complaint that stands out above anything else. Do you see a solution that shows up repeatedly in many of your desire pages? Pick out one of these solutions and take action on it right away. Taking one action communicates your intention to get what you want and eliminate what you do not. When I originally did this exercise years ago, I chose one that was repetitive. It made sense that it would make a difference in times of, you know, to have multiple areas being affected all at one time, and I think it really did. Within a year, I had changed my personal story completely, and I felt a great deal better. But the key is to focus on what serves you and your dream, do it consistently, in the moment, nurturing the seed in your vision. Tell your story, letting go of feelings by feeling them. Practice being your own because doing the work to let go of the anchors. There is a caution, though, and we will come back to it. (laughs) You can know your dream, and you can plan. You can rev your engines and never lift off. To live with intention and work it, you have to ask yourself, how much do I want when I say I want? Do I want it enough? to take one action step. What is the one thing I can do right now that will move me in the direction of my dream? And then on a daily basis, you need to refocus and check your thinking. We need to continually work to catch and release any thought habits that are holding us back or stopping us. When we really master this ability to live with intention, we begin to see the next level on Maslow's pyramid, self-esteem. As we see ourselves moving forward, we gain back our self-esteem, confidence, and a sense of accomplishment that may have been damaged during our response to the trauma or disaster that we've been facing. Achievement and respect bolster our feelings of self-worth, bringing joy and a sense of well-being back to our lives. I'd really like to think of this as a turning point for you so that you can stop thinking of your situation as a disaster and recognize the blessings you'll find within it. It may be an event of great loss. However, you're standing on the brink of rebuilding and creating something even better than you had before. Peter Peter and I certainly found that we have been blessed by disaster. Sometimes we get here quickly, and for others it takes more time. But as we go through these recovery activities, we are moving up one level on the hierarchy of needs. We are rebuilding and developing new habits, perhaps improving on the ones we've been using. And if we embrace the changes that we're being forced to make, 
we have a chance to eliminate any physical, emotional, or thought habits that no longer serve us. Action is necessary, as well as inner work, to move forward, to rebuild, to pursue your dreams, and to overcome what's holding you back. And if you're ready to move from disaster to prosperity, the time to start is now, right where you are. Your action step for this week is to go through this exercise. Do the work and choose one action you can take. And then do it. Remember, success is the continual act of deciding to take actions that moves you toward the creation of what you desire. You can choose rainbows over ruins. You can move from disaster to prosperity. So until the next time, thanks for joining me on your journey to rebuild your life. Have a great and prosperous day. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverruins.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shereko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, sharing the journeys of those affected by sudden and great loss and what they did to heal, rebuild, and where they are now.